What's up, McConaughey's? Welcome to the Mastering McConaughey podcast, where we explore the filmography and philosophy of Matthew McConaughey. I'm your guest host, Mark Usher. And I'm your guest host, Johnny Phillips. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. What's going on, Mark? Good evening to you. Good evening to you, sir. How are things at the command station? Going pretty good. You know, I'll tell you, I, I had like a, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little sick. Mm. Like Tuesday, I woke up, my throat was a little like metallic tasting. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, not normal. Yeah. And then all day Wednesday, my right eye was just leaking and my right nostril felt like I needed to sneeze all day long. And it this was is awful. So, so graphic, Mark. I don't know if that's mm. necessary. I mean, I'm just mm. sitting like, when you said metallic throat, <laughs> I wanted to make a joke about, did you suck off Terminator or something? But Fuck you, asshole. Hey. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> you know, then, then it got weird with like the goopy eyes. But to be fair, my three-year-old also has goopy eyes right now, but... Yeah, I mean, asking around, like, everybody's got this some for some reason. But mm-hmm. So if my voice sounds a little off, like, I'm not uh, leaking anymore today, but it, my, my sinuses are still, like, swollen. So this is a time of year for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, this, this, the, the pollen isn't out yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had some flowers blooming. Got some roses mm-hmm. blooming, you know. It could be something. Who knows? Pine trees. Fucking who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But you're doing the right thing by trying to drink it away. Congratulations. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Alcohol heals everything. That's what I'm saying. That's why I try to tell Lizzie. I'm like, babe, it's going to burn away the bacteria and virus. Like, that's what it does. It's a cleansing exactly. agent. Yes. yes. You remember Cameron from the furniture store? Mm-hmm. He always said, it was like, whenever he feels bad in his tum-tum, he would just go eat a bunch of Mexican food with hot sauce because that's going to that's gonna flush it all out. I mean, it, the it hot will. sauce is going to kill everything and heal him. I mean, he's going yeah, to shit his balls out. I mean, you're right. That's exactly what's going to happen. So, yeah, yeah that, that's a theory. Mm-hmm. Well, Johnny, I need to do an unscheduled apology corner. Or did I say something wrong? Come on. Hell yes. Who are we apologizing to? My wife. Uh-oh. She has demanded this apology corner. In the last episode, I told the story about how you tried to stop uh, stop my wedding. Yep. And, yep. and I said, I said, I'm, I'm, I wish I had understood what you're trying to do at the time uh, because it was awful. <laughs> she pointed out, my current wife pointed out, there wasn't enough context in that one episode for the listeners to understand that I'm very happy in my current marriage. <laughs> I, I had all sorts of arguments. It's like, listen, Johnny has talked about how he loves you, um, how he loves our marriage, how, you know, I have, I have talked about how supportive, you know, my current wife is. She listens to the episodes twice, you know, like all these things. She's like, yeah, but if somebody just listens to this one episode, so I'm like, all right, all right, I'll do an apology corner. She says, yeah. I th- I um, think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as someone who understands the full context of what we were talking about, uh, I think that that we were very clear. But again, that's just you and I talking. No one else has right. any idea what the hell we're talking about. Uh, right. So no, your current marriage is awesome. We love her. Marry her. Stay married to her. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah but that first one, man, you fucked that up. Yeah. yeah. Fumbled it. Fumbled it back. <laughs> now I will not For sure. Like you know how this goes. Uh, yeah, I, I I promised I would put that out there. Good call. Good call. Well, Johnny, what are we watching today? Well, okay. Well, we're not watching it live on air. I'll tell you that. But I'll yeah, tell you what we right. did watch. 13 conversations about one thing starring Matthew McConaughey, as you might imagine. Um, it is an Alan Arkin film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have mixed reviews. All right. I don't know if we're going to go there yet. I just, I'm going to put that on the table. Okay. It's got things to say, but that's let's, what we're get, watching. Let's get some of the stats out. Go. Let's look at the back of the baseball card here. Please. It's, it's a 2001 film, but it, mm-hmm. it like premiered in the Venice Film Festival in 2001 and was yeah. w- quote unquote widely released in May of 2020. 
uh, <laughs> I've got 2022 here. That's wrong. Uh, it was widely released in, I guess, 2002. And it did win some awards, but they were like local film awards. So I'm imagining right. this was released like in limited theaters. And it does have kind of a, a independent film vibe, wouldn't you it say? It does. It feels very independent, almost like Memento. I don't know what, what, what it was about the filmography, yes. but it reminded me of Memento. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. Who cares if there's a few little details you'd rather not remember? Absolutely. So yeah, it, definitely independent. Um, a lot of film festivals. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing when I see that. When you see film festivals, are you like, ooh, this is going to be great? Or, hmm, this is going to be artsy. How do you feel? You know, uh, you hear about Cannes, which I always thought was Can Cannes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've heard it now. <laughs> you know, the Cannes Film Festival, mm -hmm. that, that's an important one. Uh, but outside of that, yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> outside of that, no, no. You're shopping around an independent film. And that nobody really knows what the budget was. The estimated budget was $4.5 million, and the box office was $3.7 million. Uh, all that to say, Roger Ebert, did review it, so it couldn't have been that small. He didn't review Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation, so. <laughs> it was supposed to be a spiritual experience. I wish he had, right? But what do you have to say about this, Mark? I didn't go ahead and read what he had to say, but what do you think? Oh, he gave it a full four out of four. Bullshit. He, he loved this, this movie. I don't trust anything that man says. Not right? a damn thing. <laughs> I bet he fucking hated Toy Story, too, didn't he? He did. <laughs> he probably did. <laughs> Two thumbs up, way up for Toy Story. Yeah, he sided with Sid, probably. Sid. Yeah. Sid. Fucking dick. Yeah. Punk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Alan Arkin. Mm -hmm. Any anybody else like as you were watching, you go, Oh, I know that person. Well, uh, John Torturo, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he just does so much. He's in so many films. I think I read yeah. he's in over 60. Um, and he plays a very wide range of characters. He does. Super that, wide. You know, what'd you uh, think about him in this movie? About the same thing. I thought about the whole movie. Uh, it was <laughs> <laughs> flat. Let me tell you something. Pandeo. The word I'm going to use is flat. <laughs> Nobody fucks with the Jesus. I think that's a good good word, right? <laughs> I had I had high hopes, man. I did. Yeah. Going yeah. into it, I was like, oh, this is going to have a strong message and be great. Uh, true story. I haven't figured out what the one damn thing is yet. Been Ooh, thinking about it all day. Oh, good. Good. Do you I know what it is? I want to ask you about that. I know what it is. I don't know what it is. Yeah. All right. No. All right. Um, yeah. Anybody see. else you recognized stood uh, out to you? Yes, yes, uh, Rob, of course, from Always Sunny. Well, okay, Ronald McDonald, Don't call me I, that. Well, it's your name. Hundred um, percent. What else you got? Well, there's. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Clea or Clea uh, Duval. Mm -hmm. She was in CSI, and she was in Veep. She was like the, and I say this in a loving way. She was like the Dyke um, <laughs> Secret Service officer. Okay. And then she ended up like dating and I think maybe marrying the VP's daughter. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yep. Yeah. I, okay, watching this, I expected her to be a lesbian. Does she mm -hmm. have that kind of typecast? Does she do that often? Because that, I think that so. rung out yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And that would be why. I was just waiting for it. I, I also recognize Barbara yeah. Sukawa. Mm-hmm. I think is how you pronounce her last name from uh, 13 Monkeys, the television show, which I just watched recently. Really? She was the woman, she was the professor that John Turturro's character like cheated on or cheated with rather, not cheated on. Right. So I, yeah, I recognized her and I recognized A.D. Miles. He was barely in it, but he was from Wet Hot American Summer. He's been nominated for five Emmys. He's like legit. But you only see him in the bar in the booth when McConaughey and his fellow DAs are all having drinks. I 
remember him momentarily having drinks, uh, mm-hmm. but I recognize his face-ish. Maybe yeah. I recognize his forehead. I don't know. That's a five head if I've ever seen one. <laughs> He's got like orange hair, red hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also Frankie Faison. Faison. Oh, yes. Who's the, the landlord from Coming to America, but he like played, I, he might be my favorite character and actor in this movie. Uh, he was he was very good. He was uh, yeah. He was just an office worker, right? Secondary yeah. character in the office. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that Alan Arkin's character confided in. Yep. He had a lot yep. of good advice and things. No, Frankie was he was a lot of fun. But I, I Mark, I'm just want you to tell me what the one thing is, Mark. I there was a, there was. A, <laughs> There was a wreck, and like half of these little stories had to do with the wreck. I don't think the other half did. You know, I, I mean, Alan Arkin, I feel like he had an, an arc in there, which was fun. It went kind of opposite everyone else's, but what the hell's happening in this story? So I, as, as I watched it and I got to the end, you know, there were, there were things you can say about the movie. The things that I enjoyed about the movie – or, or one of the things that I enjoyed about the movie was that these stories are relatable. Okay. This movie was about the human experience. I, I've never hit a woman with my car. Um, I've never gotten so complacent with my life that I needed to cheat with a coworker. Um, I've never been uh, so behind in a class that I jumped off of, of a roof to kill right? myself. But but these are all you know human struggles, you know, uh, and I, I thought they were very relatable, and it it was all about happiness. These were people trying to find happiness, hmm. and you hear it pretty explicitly from the John Turturro character, mm-hmm. where he's talking to his doctor or psychiatrist, saying like, I, "I'm tired of like teaching." I'm teaching. I already know this stuff. I want to know new things. I want to experience new things. Yeah. I've always thought of contentment as a form of resignation. But his life was very regimented and he was not satisfied. And he said something to the effect of, is life just about existing? I keep asking myself, is that all there is? To merely exist? I think each character was searching for happiness. Well, they obviously don't listen to the podcast that I listen to, uh, The Art of Not Giving a Fuck, because they would know <laughs> that searching for happiness is the surefire way to not be happy. All right? That's one mm. thing that we know about happiness. Did anybody, did any of the characters get out alive, like, or get out happy? Um, only the obnoxious co-worker, I think. Uh, can't remember The lottery winner? Uh, yeah. Wait, no, not the lottery winner. Fuck him. Smiley. Smiley. Yeah. Smiley came out all right. But that was, that was already in his head, man. He had already made mm-hmm. up his mind. He's going to be happy no matter what. For a minute, I thought I had him there. But at the last minute, he puts on those rose-colored glasses and it was all over. All right. right. That's the key yeah. to happiness, right? Like marriage, right? I'm going to be mm-hmm. happy no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> well, but isn't that what all of life is about? You have to create your own reality. Yeah. Even if you have to lie to yourself, you... Perception is reality. Mm Mm-hmm. So I saw a thing with uh, Tony Robbins, who, you know, take him or leave him, but uh, he was on Theo Vaughn's podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said... Anything you see that's brown, people at home, look at that in your own room. What you see is brown. Okay, close your eyes. Okay. Tell me everything you just saw that was red. Now, obviously, you saw a lot more brown, didn't you? Yeah. Why? Because you're looking for it. Open yeah. your eyes. Now look for red. Look for red anywhere you can find red. Any place you can find red. Okay. Okay? Did you find more red this time? Mm-hmm. How come? Because I was looking for red. That's right. You know, so it's kind of like you have to look for the success. You have to look for the good things. You have to create your own reality. I think that's right. I think Smiley hit that on the head the whole time, right? He's getting, yeah. the, he's getting canned. And he's like... There's a silver lining here. Boys wanted to mm-hmm. go on that vacation. Right. How, how, how are you going to pay for that, Smiley? I'm not worried about that right now. He could have jumped off a building. He could have shot up heroin. 
He could have. But he didn't. Now we know yeah. what happened to Smiley. He did. He ended up not telling his wife that he got uh, canned, and he tried to make it better, which I would love to have his whole sidebar about. This is not the first time I've heard that um, scenario where you get fired and you don't have the heart to tell your wife, so you just keep dressing up and going other places. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think that's about? Traditional gender roles, for one. For two, pride. For three, fear. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I can only just... If it were me, what would be going through my head is I can make this right before I have to face what I've done. Mm-hmm. Before I have to go and tell my wife, I don't have a job. There's no more paycheck. I can go find another paycheck. And then I can go and say, listen, I left my job. I got another job. Don't worry about it. We're seamless here. Yeah. Right. Save her from the stress that you're going through. Save her from the stress and me from imposing that stress, right? Yeah. Like, that's still responsibility on me and embarrassment that I want to get around, right? Yeah. Still lying, sure. 100% lying, as much about me as it is about her. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't tell my wife I've been fired. My wife! <laughs> <laughs> you fired <laughs> yourself? <laughs> I'm finding another job. <laughs> All right, briefly, I just want to say uh, get into the critical reception. Again, Ebert gave it four out of four. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it 83, audience 71. So, you know, pretty good. Uh, Metacritic, critics gave it 74. Users gave it 8.4. IMDb can fuck off. Um, although they gave it a seven out of 10. So, I mean, pretty good reception by the critics. And, uh, you know, before we get into our feelings about the movie, can I ask you something? Yeah. What are you drinking? I believe this beverage has produced an emotional response. I have a pint and a pickled egg. And red wine is the worst for my sores. You think maybe you and I can brew up some juice? Oh, Mark. Mark, so... We're talking about the uh, smash hit Matthew McConaughey film. Uh, just huge splash. Everyone knows it. 13 conversations <laughs> about one thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I felt <laughs> like it was only appropriate that I drink 13 beers throughout this episode. Uh, 13 beers? Yep. Full beers. Uh, well, I told the woman I want a flight of 13. And she goes... <laughs> So you mean you need four flights? And I'm like, sure. Expecting her to bring out, you know, flight glasses. No. She brings these puppies out. I don't know how many ounces this is, Mark, but it's not a flight. That's like a full glass of wine. Yeah, sure is. I got 13 of them. (laughs) That's like six ounces. (laughs) Two down, 11 to go. I'm going to call your wife. I'm going to text your wife here in 45 minutes. Tell her to come pick you up. <laughs> hey, what? Two weeks ago, I did a whole bottle of champagne. I'll be just fine, Mark. Okay. Got the <laughs> <right>. bar set. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Mark? What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a G&T. Yeah. P- partly out of convenience because this is what I normally drink, but also because when McConaughey is in the bar... And then he leaves said bar and hits a woman with his car. Right. He is holding a few drinks. He like buys drinks for the table. Yeah. But two or three of them, it's clear with a lime. So it may be vodka and lime or something, but I'm going with the gin and tonic. Now, the listeners can't see this because this is an audio medium, but uh, Johnny is sipping on a new beer and is making an awful face. Dude, it Tell tastes us. it tastes like I'm licking a grill. What? Yeah, I don't know what the hell this is. They just put the number on it for for whatever the tap is. Um, that looks like white wine. I mean, it is very it, light. It does look like white wine, and it tastes like a grill. I'm going to put this one to the side. Yeah, you don't need to drink all 13. So here's another one that looks like white wine, number 22. Ooh, it's a cider. Hey, <laughs> a good time of year for a cider. 
Uh, Johnny, do, before we get any, any deeper, do you have any kind of a synopsis for the movie? Oh, dude, I'd love to give you a synopsis by all means. Yeah. yeah. yeah? Okay. I'd like to take everyone back to where I said it was uh, similar to Memento. Uh, it is a series of uh, vignettes, I believe is the technical word that I'm, tra- I'm looking for here. Um, they all have their own title. Uh, they all have no meaning at all. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I watched this in three snippets just because of how I had to work it into my schedule. Uh, the first third... I thought was great. The second third started to lose me. And by the uh, third, third mark, so what the fuck's happening here? Like, what what mm. has happened? Uh, but to sum it up, three guys walk into a bar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a horse, a priest. <laughs> <laughs> right? Alan Arkin starts telling a story about a guy. It's turned out, to not be a true story, I don't believe, at, at, at the end. Um, oh, I think it is. I think it's just the time is disjointed. I was going to say, we didn't see the rest of it. We saw half of it. We didn't see the other half of the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. To, I mean, to, to your point, Mark, it must be about happiness because in retrospect, that's all anyone ever talks about. Uh, so, yeah, 13 different conversations about happiness. Um, a uh, woman who is a maid is accused of theft uh, shortly after being hit by a car, almost killed. Mm -hmm. Um, She starts to see the world in a darker light while Alan Arkin somehow begins to see the world in a brighter light after firing someone for no reason at all. He fired Smiley. (laughs) Smiley. Smiley. The only... Because he was so happy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Looking back on that, really, really shallow writing there, guys. Naming him Smiley. And he was so happy. Right? Like, was that necessary? I think it made sense because they called him Bowman or whatever, but Alan Arkin started calling him Smiley because he was so pissed off that the guy was happy. Makes more sense. Sorry, guys. This is me just coming to terms with the movie in real time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And by the uh, time we reach the end of the film, it is the exact same three guys in a bar. I haven't figured that out. Well, it's the same scene. Why? Why the fuck is it the it's same, same scene? It's the same scene. So, yeah, the movie jumps through time. You know, they start out at the bar, McConaughey and his and his fellow uh, assistant district attorneys right. have, you know, won this big case and they're having drinks. Um, and then, yeah, you learn more about Alan Arkin's story. That guy wins the lottery. And right. then we end up back in the bar and it's like a year later after that guy won the lottery. And we come back to, oh, it's McConaughey and his fellow ADAs. They're, they're having a drink, you know. So, so the movie jumps through time. But So technically, at the end of the film, the woman still hasn't been hit by the car. Right. So what the fuck kind of sense does that make, Mark? No, what, yes. No, you're right. Yes. Yeah. I hate to bring up the movie Crash again. Because we yes. brought up the movie a lot. <laughs> But like in Crash, all these people like literally, like literally or almost literally crash into each other and impact each other's lives in Mm -hmm. big ways, you know. In this movie, it's, I don't, I don't know if it's actually 13 people, but you know, there are all these different people that are, some of them are connected, like some of them are married, some of them are sleeping Mm -hmm. with each other, blah, blah, blah. But outside of those connections, you know, you have like John Turturro ends up buying uh, Matthew McConaughey's car. Right. But that's the only connection they have. I was waiting for that to come full circle, like, because Tortoro was going on and on about how this kid did something to him. And I was like, oh, he must have gotten arrested because of the car. No, it never linked like that at all, Mark. So I have a question for you. Go. You know, Alan Arkin's kid has robbed a few people. He's a heroin addict. Oh. He does the purse snatching. Do you think that Alan Arkin's kid mugged John Turturro? Had to be. Had to be. There's only one mugger in that town. <laughs> yeah, I mean I know it's a, I know it's New York City, but <laughs> but like, no. is that an is that an unspoken connection? Well, for people who are paying attention, perhaps. Perhaps, Mark. Yeah, maybe. The rest of us are sitting here being critical of this dumb stupid fucking movie. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Makane hits the the woman with his car. That's the cleaning woman that was mm-hmm. accused of stealing the watch. Clea Duvall. John Turturro. Uh, Rob McElhenney is his student. You know, I mean, so, but there, but there are these like very loose connections. Like, um, John Turturro's wife at the very end is on the subway with Alan Arkin. That's mm. the only connection that they ever have. Sure. But they're both going through something, and Alan Arkin gets off the subway and turns back to the train and waves at John Turturro's estranged wife, you know. Which is a weird thing to do. Yeah. But there are these just like very, very loose connections versus Crash where they literally crash into each other. Yes. Um, so it's like we could have had Amanda Cusack back on the, the podcast. It's, it's a story of the city almost. True. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, Mark, we were both students at the same college, no less. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever encounter a time when you wanted to jump off of a building into the quad over a test score that you did not know? No. I never took physics, though. Well, you'd think if you did, you'd know where you'd land in the quad. <laughs> and I think that came up, actually. Is <laughs> they, were, they were like, no, he didn't fall. He must have jumped based on the velocity and where he landed. <laughs> like, they turned it right back into an equation. Yeah, so McElhenney uh, comes to John Turturro's office. He's a physics professor. And says, like, I'm going through a lot. Like, can I retake this test? And Turturro's like, listen, I haven't even graded the exams yet. You may have done fine. Mm-hmm. And then he he catches him later in the hall, and he's like, have you, have you, can I get my grade? Do you know my grade? Can you give me a hint at my grade? Like, listen, I'm going to hand him out on Monday. Like, I, I, and he's, at this point, he's dealing with, like, he broke up with his mistress, and his wife has already left him, and so he's, like, uncaring. Right. And when he tries to give the guy his paper on Monday, a, a student says, oh, yeah, he fell off of a roof. And then the smart kid in the class goes, well, actually... If he'd have fallen, he would have landed near the bushes. He must have jumped. Wouldn't that be right, Professor? Like, turns it into a (sighs) physics problem. It is sad. It is sad. That's why I'm teaching my kid that grades don't matter. Like in Arrested Development, where they they send maybe to that that school where she gets alligators and Elvis heads as grades. I mean, we do send our kid to a forest school where he pees on bushes. It's the same vein, dude. (laughs) Oh, grades are meaningless. Maybe his last school didn't even have them. I forgot about that. Yeah. When um, John Turturro's wife is sitting at the empty dinner table, John Turturro has not come home. She ends up cutting her hand on a broken vase. Mm -hmm. And a, a neighbor helps her. And I can't remember if she says this or if it's one of those vignettes, you know, when, where they pop it up on the screen. But it was like when you ask yourself if you are happy, like that's when the spell breaks and you realize that you're you're not happy. Ask yourself if you're happy and you cease to be so. And that's when she she made that decision. I'm moving out. I'm giving all his shit away <laughs> to charity. <laughs> right? This guy's like, oh, my stuff's still there. Nah, man, we saw it. She gave that shit away. It's on a truck yeah, somewhere. <laughs> six months ago, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, very interesting. What What did you think about the music? There was music? Yeah, that annoying piano with a lot of flat notes. Well, I think that um, it goes well with my synopsis of this flat film. Flat notes, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I do recall, uh, again... Just weird ass indie filmmaking, man. I, I don't know yeah. what to say other than that. I can't believe this thing got such high ratings. This reminds me of the time it was like what three or four episodes back. It was with Amanda. You rated it really high, and we were like, "Man, this is a fucking two. This was shit." <laughs> like that's how I feel right now. Everyone's like, "This is great." And I'm like, "You're fucking crazy." <laughs> you want to go dig up Ebert and fight him over this? <laughs> yes. Yes. I think he did this just to fuck with us. That's what he did. <laughs> made up these ratings. <laughs> Who's Metacritic anyway? Uh, right. Shit. Well, should we talk more about McConaughey's role in all this? McConaughey was in this? <laughs> <laughs> he, 
Using like in one thirteenth of it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right. Please talk to me about McConaughey. Uh, well, I mean, he's an assistant district attorney. So are you, right? Successful. Yes, I'm a special ADA. Oh, you're a special ADA. Yes. Okay, good. Very, yep. very special. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he and his fellow ADAs go out, celebrate this win. Well, at least I'm happy. I just sent a guilty man to prison today. Got another low life off the street. Yeah. He's very smooth when he's talking to Alan Arkin. He's very smooth. Uh, look, there's one fundamental difference between your friend and myself. See, he seems like he tried to take a shortcut. I earned it. He's very happy. Yeah. Which annoys Alan. After he hits this woman, his boss says, hey, I'm putting you up for a promotion. Mm-hmm. You know, all the stuff. Like, he, he is on the rise. But... Um, yeah, he hits the woman after he's had a few drinks. It doesn't look like it was his fault at all, though, right? No, no. Um, you know, and when I watched this scene unfold, I was like, don't fucking do it, man. Don't do it. Don't do what you're about to do. Just drive away. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people get themselves in trouble like that. Like, if you had just, like, done the right thing, if you had called, it would have been okay, you know? Yeah. You probably would have gotten, I don't know, a slap on the wrist, tops. You're an ADA after all. Okay? They would have covered that shit up. It was like in an alley-type side street, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She was looking at his shirt up in the damn sky like a crazy person. Not his fault. Yeah. But he freaks out, drives away. Yep. Guilt consumes him. It does. Yeah. He just he cannot concentrate. He's just sweating. He's worried they're going to catch him all the time. Mm-hmm. That reminded me a lot of uh, Edgar Allan Poe. What was that one where they buried the man in the wall? Or in the floor. Was it in the floor? Where Maybe. the fuck I don't they know. buried him? Uh, yeah. Same thing. He's just consumed by his own guilt and worried he's going to get caught. That you know, that rung a bell. It also felt very death of a salesman to me when we were talking about what Torturo's character. It's very death of a salesman. Okay. Or Alan Arkin. He was like an insurance uh, yeah. adjuster guy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So McConaughey's character gets consumed with guilt. Yes. Well, he did. He killed a woman and left her in the alley. Yeah. Well, he thought he killed her, but yeah. Right. And he's still prosecuting people. And he gets assigned to a special case in which somebody robbed a tourist Mm -hmm. and, like, the tourist fell back, hit their head, and died. You know, kind of a similar situation, you know. Exactly. Parallel situation. Complete accident. Freak accident, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Is it, like, somebody in his office that's saying, like, oh, yeah, he did wrong and he must be punished? Yes. Mm-hmm. So McConaughey kind of spirals, and he's got this cut on his head from when he like hit his head on the steering wheel or something. Okay, that's weird. That is a weird little little detail. Please double-click on that for us. <laughs> well, so, you know, we, we, hear, we hear the person say, like, this person did wrong, and they should be punished. And that's when we see McConaughey start reopening this cut on his head. Takes he's a like razor puni- blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's punishing himself because he did wrong. That's, yes, that's interesting. Because I noticed, I was like, that thing had healed. And then he started mm-hmm. taking out the razor blade, punishing himself. Interesting. We could go down a whole spiral about how that's a real psychological problem that people experience. Well, I was going to ask, like, would you say that that's a common experience? A common human experience? I don't know if the word is common, but it's definitely, definitely relatable. I think that's a, that's a good word. Um, yeah. I have close friends who have been through that and, and still wear the scars of it. You know, it's, I never experienced it. So to me, it's so foreign, but what an experience. Are you talking about cutting? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of mean like, when you feel like you've done wrong, do you punish yourself? I don't do wrong. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. 
not so well, relatable to me Mark. Um, I was, I'm just thinking about <laughs> I mean almost every day I'll think of some embarrassing thing that I did 5 15 20 years ago and go what the fuck are you what were you thinking <laughs> well yeah you know it's like, that's pretty it's like reopening that wound you know interest okay all right all right, metaphors. I see where your head's at there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Reopening the wound. That's good, Mark. That's good. I was going to ask Punishing you. Punishing yourself. Cu- cutting yourself about that. I'm glad you're not. Uh, nah. No. Reopening the wound. Look at you. Um, yeah, so eventually he, he finds himself in the hospital after passing out because he gets blood poisoning from all of this madness. And, and he confesses to the crime but we don't see what really happens to him. No, no, we don't. Yeah, because he left that letter. Yep. What do you think happened to him? Probably lost his job. Uh, I I would hope that they found the woman that he hit and realized that she was alive and just charged him with like hit and run, you know, misdemeanor. Is that a misdemeanor? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to do that more often then. (laughs) <laughs> more often. <laughs> I don't believe in luck. Luck is a lazy man's excuse. Spoken like a guy that's had nothing but good luck. Yeah, Johnny, I'm going to ask you to do something here. You think the movie is flat? I did. Yep, definitely. This movie is about happiness. It's about relatable human experiences. You think that this movie is four out of four stars. Tell me why. Mark, this is easily a four out of four because it tells the story of everything that it embodies who we are at our core. We don't know why we're here, right? We're all trying to find our passion through religion or through work or through social interaction, but we're all looking for the same thing, happiness, some kind of contentment. And to me, this film just shows every facet of a way that you could try to seek out that happiness and how maybe we really are just here to exist because we can't force happiness. Mm. It, it just, what other movie tells the story of who we are as a human species like this? Besides Avatar? Uh, I was thinking Lynn before time, but Avatar is good. <laughs> Avatar is good. <laughs> All right, have you convinced yourself? Is this a great movie? No, this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, however, I will say this. Um, after, after hearing what you have to say, I can see why people would find this interesting. However, I am on such strong medication, I don't feel unhappiness. Mm. Um, I don't think I feel happiness either, okay? There's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's that. Okay. <laughs> right? Right? Uh, but yeah, no. Lows are something that I cannot relate to. Hmm. And I think that's why, as a species, we all need to get on Wellbutrin so that we're all content. And with once daily Wellbutrin XL, I feel like me again. Well, John Turturro's character says something about that, right? He's with his psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and the psychiatrist says, well, I can prescribe you something. And he says something to the effect of... It's perverse, isn't it? People spend years developing their minds, educating themselves. In the end, they just want to shut them off. Yes. But he, ma- he makes a reference to that. 100%. He's, he was wrong. That's exactly what we need to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we haven't had World War III since Zoloff came out or whatever. So That's, uh, well, right? Or, or um, ice picking the nose, right? That worked too, I feel like. Lobotomies. <laughs> Lobotomies were great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'd take a lobotomy right about now. Like, why not? 
I mean, the problem with lobotomies is we can't do like any like post studies. Like, how did that make you feel? Uh, like, we don't know. We don't know, man. Maybe it was great. Maybe there were zombies. I don't know. You know yeah. why she's still alive? Because zombies eat brains and she ain't got any. Well, Johnny, I'm pretty sure you don't. I'm pretty sure you didn't enjoy this movie. But did you have like a favorite character or a favorite scene? Like some some kind of bright spot? The bright spot to me was Alan Arkin's character. Um, I used to lock myself away in my office and, and grind hard. And I felt like I could relate to his character in that way. Mm. I don't do that much anymore. I'm in a new office. Got a lot of great people in here. We crack up. Probably going to end up being a problem eventually, but we have a good time. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I identified with his character. I really did. Uh, I, I liked when he reached out on Smiley's behalf. That showed a lot of a lot of growth for his character. To me, that was inspirational. A lot like the movie Elf. He's a lot like the dad in the movie Elf. You know, works hard. Doesn't give a shit about his family. You know, he's just a slave to his job. But by the end, he believes in Santa. Which kind of goes along with death of a, a salesman, too, a little bit, right? That's Which exactly right. Death of a salesman. Yeah. I got to plant a garden. I got to leave something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so many different characters in this movie. But, like, as we're sitting here thinking about the movie, talking about the movie, is Alan Arkin, like, the primary character, if you had to pick one? Oh, I think he definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Which is funny because we don't start off with him, right? And there are so many other characters. Mm -hmm. To me, his character is set apart because where everyone else's character just kind of like spirals down into societal hate. I feel like his kind of takes a turn for for the upside, right? By the end of the film, he's doing better than when he started. He's already kind of a grumpy old man to start with. Exactly. Yes. He started out. <laughs> it's like Lizzie says about the Swedes. The Swedes expect everything bad to happen. So if something good happens, everyone's like, hey, cool, great. Because they just set the bar so low. Right? Anything out of the ordinary is fantastic. Yeah. It's cold and dark and snowy or whatever, right? I mean, so I mean it's pretty that bleak. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> My favorite sense. colors are white and black. So Yeah. Well, I figured that out when y'all started painting everything white and black <laughs> in all of your houses. <laughs> <laughs> that was our theme. Yep. Yeah. How about you, Mark? Who was your favorite character? What stood out to you? I do think Alan Arkin was the most the most complex character. I guess Mm -hmm. because he had the most growth, right? Yep. I really liked seeing John Turturro act. He did a great job. I think he was the standout actor. Yeah, I think so too. He he was not in it nearly as much as Alan Arkin. Mm -hmm. But there are there are roles that I know him from. Oh, brother, where art thou? Big Lebowski. Mister Deeds. Come on. Mr. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I am very, very sneaky, sir. He's got a lot of range. I, I liked his take on this very regimented uh, man, this professor, kind of an asshole, but not because he's an asshole. It's because he, maybe he's on the spectrum a little bit. It's fair. You know? Yeah. Um, I think he, he did a wonderful job. So I don't know that he that character is my favorite character, but that acting... Uh, really stood out to me. It did. It did. What do you? Th- what did you make of his wife? I felt like that was an interesting dynamic. She was kind of an offshoot of him, although we saw her uh, almost as much as him. Mm-hmm. But she was like the wife of this professor. So we should say, you know, he he got mugged. His wallet got taken. We find out near the end of the movie that someone found the wallet in a trash can and returned it. And the wife found it, or, or the, it was returned to the wife, I should say. And she tells the neighbor there was something in the wallet that made her believe that he was cheating. Mm-hmm. We all know what that is, right? Cheating, the, yes. The, 
We are familiar. <laughs> what was in the wallet? Oh, no. What the fuck was in the wallet? A wallet condom, right? Those are just dangerous. No they are dangerous. But, that. like, isn't that what she found in the wallet? We I never find know. out. But, like, that's got to be it, right? I mean, I, I would hope that if Lizzie found a condom in my wallet, she'd be like, oh, my God. Did he really think we were going to do that in the bathroom? Like, that's what I hope my <laughs> wife would think. <laughs> I mean, it's either got to be a receipt for the motel or, a, you know, a condom wallet. Uh, sorry. Or a wallet condom. <laughs> I carry my wallet condom everywhere. <laughs> or my condom yeah. wallet. <laughs> it's a wallet made of nothing but condoms. Used. <laughs> Still slippery. Oh, God. <laughs> no paper money. <laughs> It'll be ruined. <laughs> Although I found a rain-soaked dollar bill the other day, and it, it's still good. So You wish it was rain. <laughs> you hope it was rain. <laughs> I thought it was so interesting that she was like, yeah, I found this. Oh, And the neighbor's like, oh, my gosh, are you going to say something? No. I'm just going to wait for him to say something. Like what do you what do you take of that? Yeah, she's waiting on her husband to admit to cheating, mm -hmm. even though he doesn't know that she knows. Like he's not going to admit to it until he thinks that she knows. What kind of mind game is that? Like, I'm gonna know. I'm just gonna sit here and know. I'm just gonna live here, knowing, until he confesses. And what she's the one that? that she tells the neighbor. Or, it, or the vignette pops up right after she has this conversation with the neighbor about uh, if you have to ask yourself or when you ask yourself, mm -hmm. are you happy? That's when you realize that you're not happy, you know? So so maybe she was just holding on to the idea that maybe they would stay together. There's something they could work through. Yeah. Something, I don't know. And she said, I'm just waiting for him to give an indication for him to admit to it, something. But when she talks it out with somebody, she was like, well, I'm not happy anyway, so I'm out. Yeah. Funny story. Funny story. Uh, <laughs> Lizzie and I went to Valentine's dinner on Tuesday night, and, uh, and we were talking about marriage counselors. We have seen a couple. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. think we're ashamed to talk about it. And, you know, we're always open to seeing more. I believe that therapy is just healthy for anybody. You know, if there's a way for us to make our relationship better and more productive, we're all about it. Absolutely. And uh, and we were talking, and uh, at some point, I, I don't know if it was a glass of wine or what, but in my head, the conversation had shifted to, you know, oh man, what if we get to something that we can't work out? And I asked the question, like, would you want to try someone else? And she goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, okay. And we keep bring talking. A third, bring a third in. <laughs> and, and wait, she goes, wait, 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 wait. No, I meant, I meant a different counselor, not like a different person. <laughs> and she's like, what have you been talking about for the last five minutes? Yeah. <laughs> It was a funny conversation. We just died laughing. I was like, thank God. Like, I thought you were saying you were just going to go try a different husband. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fun conversation for Valentine's dinner. That's, oh, man. Yep. Yeah. Go. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of that, was McConaughey, did he wear a robe or was he revealing? Uh, mm, I don't think we saw shit out of him. Nah, we didn't. Nope. nope. The closest I think we got, he wore a robe as he was cutting himself with the razor blade. And that got down to like, I don't know, five inches below his Adam's apple. I mean, <laughs> the V on the robe, you know. The, the problem here, Mark, is we started out so strong. All right. We started out with Larry, yeah. who, who never wore a shirt. All right. Mm -hmm. When we were introduced to McConaughey, he wasn't wearing a shirt. It's a good point. So now he's going to go and all, you know, wear shirts and whatnot. Mm -hmm. He's just kind of playing with our hearts, Mark. You know? And our groins. He's a tease. That's what he is. You hear me, Matthew? <laughs> Fucking tease. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Johnny, did you find any uh, wisdom in this movie? Did you find a McConaughey? <laughs> I, I just want to meet new people and do cool things. I thought, man, that is about the best reason to go and do something there is in life, isn't it? I did. I did. Uh, Mark, rating this movie a four out of four stars. Uh, the McConaughey here is, for me, there is wisdom in knowing that when you're searching for something, it's because you don't have it. As you put it, if you have to ask the question, it's not there. Mm. So, to be happy, it's very simple. Just never ask yourself if you're happy. Blissful ignorance, ignorance. is bliss. That's it, Mark. That That's was one it. of the vignettes, I think. Yeah. There you go. How about you, Mark? My McConaughey is that everyone is seeking happiness. And that's something that I often forget. When someone, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of an Alan Arkin in this way. When I see somebody that's happy and they've, they've parked right on the white line, I'm, I'm so mad at them. When they're walking slowly on the sidewalk, I'm like, get the fuck out of my way. But they're, you know, they're just out there seeking happiness, living their own life. And if I walk past them quickly and huff and puff, you know, maybe I steal some of their happiness. So maybe empathy, if I needed to break it down, maybe empathy, but just recognizing that everyone is out there trying to be happy. And, um, you know, I shouldn't be an impediment to that. That's good. That's good. I literally jumped. And I was proud of myself. I, I think I jumped two feet in the air onto like a wall to pass people earlier today. They were in my way on the sidewalk. <laughs> yep. I honked at somebody today because they were going <laughs> below the speed limit in the left lane. But but that's yeah. a great point, Mark. These people were just enjoying their time. They, they were in my fucking way, but they were just enjoying their day. Yeah. I'm never going to reach that ideal, but that, you know, just something I need to work on. It's good to think about, right? A little bit of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, we need to review the film. Mark, it sucked. (laughs) You you said that it's flat. So I'm wondering if maybe we should uh, do razor blades, which are flat. God. (laughs) We could also do uh, damaged BMWs. Well, I mean. Bloodstained BMWs. Okay, so where'd the blood come from, Mark? Now, I mean, are you also inferring that if it's eight bloodstained BMWs, there are eight women out in the middle of alleys? Like, Are you seeing where this is going? I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay. Bloodstained BMWs it is. Um... Well, do you want to go first or you want me to go, Mark? I'd be happy to go. To, then you can temper what I have to say. Go. I enjoyed, as I said earlier, that this was kind of a, a relatable film. It was, it was about the human experience. Mm-hmm. I think anybody could relate to these things. I liked that none of the stories were too long. You know, We got to follow a bunch of different characters, and we knew enough about them where we could relate but we didn't have to dive too deep. I enjoyed that. Uh, The movie was an hour and 44 minutes long, and I I wish it was about 30 minutes shorter. I wish the music was better because the music just made it kind of drone on. It was an independent film. I want to give it some credit there. Like, it's not going to be the best just because of that. So what is my review? I'm going to give it six damaged BMWs. Okay. Okay. What about you? Uh, I'm going to give it a damaged BMW for every million that it lost. <laughs> okay. Okay. We, we speculate that its budget was $4.5 million. Uh-huh. And in the box office, it made $3.7 million. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... By my math, that's almost a million. So that's I'm giving this this film almost 
one bloodstained BMW. Oh, wow. So like the blinker is damaged. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But you have to replace the whole headlight apparatus. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying the guy didn't even hit her to the ground. Just like nicked her, like clipped her at best. Right? Right. Yeah. Maybe her shoes were left on the ground. I've seen that happen before uh, as people are hit. <laughs> so you're giving this a one out of 10? Listen, you stand in your, in your convictions. I'm just, I'm just asking. I need to get better about that. Hey, Johnny, I just want to confirm. Are you giving this a one out of 10? Mark, I, you know, I have never felt like you have pressured me in a derogatory way. So I don't want you to feel bad about that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I fucking hated this. Okay. You know, and I think that Ebert, probably a jackass. <laughs> and we can, as we've said before, we can say whatever we want because the man is dead. He's dead, right? Where, mm-hmm. yeah. Is this estate going to sue me? Probably not. <laughs> All right. Um, no. I, I had such high hopes for this. And Mark, I will never claim to be a smart man, a wise man, uh, an intuitive Man, so maybe it's my fault, right? Maybe I just didn't get it. But they can all go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you think you could set aside your feelings about the movie and just look at McConaughey's performance and evaluate that? McConaughey's performance reminded me a lot of um, The Devil's Advocate. Who am I thinking of? Uh, Keanu Reeves? Keanu Reeves, that's who it was. Yep, both lawyers. Both guilt-ridden by things they've done that they didn't want to do. Uh, much less demonic menage a trois in this one than in uh, The Devil's Advocate. So again, points down to this movie. But no, no. Maybe that's what it lacked, Mark. Sex. There's no sex in this movie. Not a bit. Fuck it. Thank you. Mark, Mark do you have a journal entry for us tonight? That's the fun of that journal. <laughs> Well, what what would you rate McConaughey's performance? Mm, you're right. You're right. Sorry. Out of, B- out of BMWs. Out of BMWs. Um, Damaged BMWs. I, I, shit, I'll toss him five. Five. Yeah. Fuck him five. Yeah. I, I can't get over the film, Mark. You know? I can't look mm-hmm. past it and its flaws. Uh, it's it's obviously an error. This movie. This movie is an error. Okay. It's a Windows blue screen. It's an Xbox yes. red ring. Yeah, <laughs> it's a four hundred four. Don't know what the fuck happened. Right, yeah. just restart this bitch. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna give him six damaged BMWs. Yeah, I, I feel like if if they had allowed him more takes, maybe he could have done a little bit better. But it was just a little, as you said, flat. I think his performance was just a little bit flat. These, the scenes where he didn't say anything or or like the scene where he was like thrown up into the sink, I think those were good. I think that was good acting. <laughs> it's when well, he was I mean, speaking he was, that it was just awful. <laughs> well, not awful, but just subpar. Something that we, you know, less than we expect out of McConaughey. Well. That's all. I mean, I, I think he was trying something new. He was, he was adventuring mm-hmm. out into the indie world. Yeah, I'm not giving the man a one. I just don't think it's a seven. I think it's a five or a six, I'm, and I'm going to give him a six. It, listen, it's a no Texas Chainsaw Massacre, okay? <laughs> right. That, right? That's for sure. Right. That was some good fucking acting, okay? Why are my batteries not charged? Why aren't my batteries charged? <laughs> Why not? So, so please, Mark, talk to us about uh, journal entries. That's the fun about journaling. There are no rules, all right? All right, all right, all right. So, Johnny, I was inspired by a line from the movie. It was uh, Mr. Faison's at the bar with Alan Arkin. Mm-hmm. He says, life only makes sense when you look at it backwards. Too bad we have to live it forwards. And boy, did that hit me. Because it's... Absolute that that absolutely rings true with me. Life only makes sense when you look at it backwards. Like when you look back, it's like, oh yeah, all this makes sense. Like I understand how I got here. It's just too bad we have to live it forwards. And I found a corresponding line in Green Lights. McConaughey says, when we know what we want to do, knowing when to do it is the hard part. 
It was like if you if you looked at life backwards, you would know the exact right time to Absolutely. do the thing that you want to do. You know, so. that's Mark. I I think that if I had watched the movie through your eyes, I would have appreciated it more. Um, I think that the the quote that you just gave us right is so interesting. When again we look at the film that started in the bar and then we hop through time and then we wind up right back at the bar. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to give the director any credit here because the movie sucked, but (laughs) I feel like that is a very interesting line in relation to to the journey that we went through. Uh, That's the problem, isn't it? I mean, life, it only makes sense when you look at it back. Too bad we gotta live it forwards. Yeah, and you know, I I keep saying that these experiences are relatable, and I, and I say relatable because I don't think they're shallow. You know, some of these, you, some someone could say that some of these things are tired or shallow, or I'll think of the word after we stop recording. But I just think that they're relatable things, and that that was the most exemplary line for me. I mean, I think about that all the time. I think we mentioned it last episode. Like, you go through seasons in life when you look back. Yep. Yeah. That's when you kind of see things clearly, you know? So life only makes sense when you look at it backwards. If we're, But if we're here and we're now, let's listen to McConaughey. When we know what we want to do, knowing when to do it is the hard part. So, you know, focus, focus on what you want to do and just fucking do it. I fucking believe that. Yeah. YOLO, Mark. Right. I mean, right? Um, you're you're going to be dead soon. Like, why not do it now? What the fuck can we go do right now, Mark? Right now. After I, after I go to sleep? <laughs> yes. <laughs> when we wake can up I... tomorrow, what are we doing? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> what could we do? Could, we used to go to Savannah every year for oh Thanksgiving. God, we right? went to the, we went to, went to Cherokee that one time. Like, what, what? What can we do to make some memories? Something fucking crazy. We're going streaky! Yes! No, I'm sorry. Sorry, we're going, we're going streaky through the quad and into the gymnasium. Come on, everybody! I've never been on a cruise. Okay. You been on a cruise? No. You want to go on a cruise? Not really. I knew you'd say no, Mark. I fucking knew it. I knew you would hate goddamn cruises. <laughs> I like before I said it, I was like, he's not gonna want to go on like a damn cruise. Like <laughs> I don't really like the idea of being stuck on a boat with two thousand people. Yeah, I was like, Mark hate hey, Mark hates people. And Mark hates people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know people that just swear by cruises. They go on two a year. Yeah. They love them. I know a guy right now, he's going on nineteen day cruise to Alaska. It's a well, half of it's a cruise, half of it's on land. It's only twenty four hundred dollars a person for Mark, nineteen days. That's not a cruise. That's a migration. Okay, sex probably some kind of sex trafficking. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Mm, for the moose. Yep. Yeah, the moose. Yeah. Hmm. They're sex trafficking the moose. For the moose, it's elderly people being trafficked for the moose. I don't know. I, I forget I said anything. I just want to know what the fuck the moose are doing to the elderly people. What's happening now? <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah, we need to do something, Mark. Well, Johnny, we've come here to the end of the episode. You had 13 22-ounce beers. How many uh, beers have you gotten through? Uh, I've got three left on the floor. They're all room temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I have an ice maker in the building. If I do, I'm going to put some ice in these and stick around. Uh, <clears throat> but I have cleared out some beers. We'll say that. Hell more. yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Johnny, can you tell the listeners what we're watching next time? Absolutely, Mark. Next time. Oh. <gasps> Fucking A, I love this movie. You know of this movie? Frailty? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I yeah. Takes me back to my days in Claremont. Uh, you know, back with direct TV. Yep. I have seen Frailty. 
many a times. Big fan. I had never heard of it. It's a kind. It's it's a little bit of a mind fuckery. So uh, be ready. Okay. It's not what you think it is. Okay, I've seen the trailer, and that that's all. Yep. Nope. I'm so excited. I think I'm going to stick around here in the office and watch it right now. <laughs> Finish those three room temp beers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, dude. I'm excited, dude. Frailty's good. You're gonna like this one. I think. Th- I think that with the history that you and I have, you're gonna appreciate this even more. Rural, rural living history. Uh, not just rural living. Uh, r- rural living. Uh, very strict evangelical upbringing. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that you'll uh, you'll identify a lot with the things going on here. All right. Not necessarily well, I'm excited. killing people. Not necessarily I, something, but could be. I don't know, Mark. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, you don't know my life. I, not all of it. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I really know about it is that it seemed to be a horror movie, and it's Bill Paxton's directorial debut, and he, he like is in the film. I don't know if he stars in it, but he's in it. So yeah, I, I, it, that that's enough to get me interested, dude. It's a winner. I'm excited. I'm excited. There, you got me pumped up. Frailty. Next time, I hope the I hope the listeners are pumped up. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. If you want to follow what we're doing on Instagram and TikTok, you can find us at Mastering M Pod. You can email us. You can leave us a voicemail. Uh, you can find that in the show notes. Listen to Johnny's other podcast, The Modern Real Estate Agents. Thank you to Holizna for our theme music, Hey Aqualung. If you don't mind, share this show with a friend. We'd like to add a few listeners this month. And uh, folks, we'll catch you next time as we discuss frailty. Bye, y'all. Bye, guys. Can I get another round, Patrick? Still happy hour? Fifteen more minutes. Fifteen minutes. Happy hour. Well, you wouldn't know from the looks in here, would you?